Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Welcome to Exploring Missions, connecting mission needs with those equipped by God to meet those needs across the world or across town. And now the host of Exploring Missions, Bert Harper on AFR Talk. The question is, what does a preacher and a radio announcer or commentator or teacher have in common? Let me give you one more thing. (laughs) And by that, I mean, we started last week on the seven commands of Jesus And we started discussing, and if it had been a sermon, we would have gone past 12 o'clock to get them all in. (laughs) But since we're on the clock, Nathan, we had to stop, and we were not through. So we had to come back for part two. So today we're looking at the seven commands of Jesus, part two. We're going to give you a synopsis of a little bit of what we said last week. Uh, because it's so important so that if you're listening to this first time and it says you heard part two, now listen, you'll get the whole thing. It's just a little bit version of the first four commands. The first one was love God and love people. And when I say that, the paradigm, we want to tell them about George uh, George Patterson, but loving God and loving people, is that is the command, isn't it? And yeah. then it's the summary of all the commands. All of the commands. That's, right. it's, it's, that's, what, that's what the first two commandments were all about, wasn't it? That's right. Jesus summarized it, the whole Old Testament, in, in one phrase, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's it. And so that's what we're looking at today. I guess we could read that verse and go home then. Yeah. That's what that's – what, I was talking about preachers. That's what some of the guys that listen to me preach would say to me, say, well, why didn't you read that verse right. and quit? Well, we're going <laughs> to fill it full and try to do our best. But George Patterson, a missionary from Honduras, uh, on the mission field, yes. started looking at this, and he he developed it. Uh, I hate to use the word discover. He developed yeah. these from the scriptures, and now it has been accepted by many, many of those that, that are involved in missions. Yeah, there are dozens and dozens of missionaries on the field currently right now who are a part of what what we call a church planting movement, where churches are being started uh, among even unreached people groups. Those that have not had access to the gospel previously, the missionary comes to them, shares the gospel with someone in that group, and those people come to follow Jesus, and then they form a church. And the next thing you know, that church is going out and sharing the gospel, making disciples, and planting more churches. And that continues in a multiplying way uh, throughout many, uh, through many generations and many uh, places in the world. So there are dozens of missionaries on the field today involved in church planting movements who can trace their training— Back to this man, George Patterson, who started uh, doing mission work in Honduras, you know, a couple of decades ago. Okay. And I have a love for Honduras. Uh, The first international mission trip that I went on was to Honduras. And um, and it was in the back area. I mean, we had to go way out and it was it was great time loving people. Hey, that's the whole idea. If you get around people and uh, God gives you a heart. You'll love those people as, as you do. Loving God and loving people goes together. With that in mind, Nathan, we went over loving God, loving people is is 
you know, like the cross, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, vertically, we love God. Horizontally, it works its way out to, to loving people. But loving God and following him is is under one side of the paradigm, isn't right. it? And you can see the next three commands that follow out of that vertical relationship of a new believer would have in loving God. And, and let me preface all this to say that uh, this this teaching of the seven commands of Christ uh, developed for a short-term discipleship process to take new believers, brand new people who come to know Jesus, um, you take them through these seven commands. It could be seven weeks or a, you know, eight to ten weeks of teaching this, these things until they start obeying each one. And once they obey one, you go to the next one. And so eventually they're obeying all seven of these commands. And guess what? They have, in just a short period of time, reached a level of maturity that I hate to say, but many in our churches who have been followers of Jesus for years and years and years have sat in countless sermons and Sunday school classes. And if all they're doing is listening and trying to gain knowledge without obedience, these new believers in Jesus are farther along in, in just a few weeks than longtime Christians sitting in, in the pews many times. That may be the answer in the book of Acts, why Paul could ordain elders in each city Yes, uh, real quickly. Yeah. You know, we would say he in our paradigm, he hasn't had time because they got to stay there three years. And go through all these. Consider. Yeah, go through all these levels of training and education and knowledge. Yeah, we got to go through all that for they can become a deacon, which is servant yep. or an elder which is a servant. Hey, let me just share with you, no matter what the leadership position name is in your church, it should be servant. Yeah. And uh, sometimes we don't do that very well. Yeah. So just like servanthood is the baseline, it's the minimal requirement exactly. to be a leader, obedience is the minimal requirement to be a follower of Jesus. Now, we're made we're made children of God, we're we're saved that's a, that's totally an act of God. That's not nothing of ourselves. We're, you're saved by grace through faith. But once that occurs, once you've been made a new creation, then we are to follow Jesus. Uh, it's, it's faith, but it's also works attached to that faith uh, as as a as a follow up to that to that belief. I'm finding these seven commands. We could probably do seven programs on it, but yeah. we better move on because. Okay. Let give give those three areas. You, I, you already we got loving God, loving people, but then repent, believe, receive, and uh, repentance is turning away from it, uh, turning away from sin and self. That's I right. mean, that's the whole idea. And then believe, and it has more than just uh, mental assent. That's right. It it means the the word means faith in trust. Yeah. We Surrendering don't have your will. Yeah, we don't have the exact. English word to translate the Greek word mm-hmm. that we have translated believe. You yeah. know, it kind of you can picture it as like as you sit in a chair. If you sit down into a chair, you're entrusting your whole body, the weight of your body, whatever that is. For me, it's probably greater than yours. Uh, but you sit your your whole uh, body, your whole self into that chair, and you trust that chair to hold you up off the floor. And then we talked about somehow receiving the Spirit of God, and we we talked a good bit about that. But I just want to tell you, the Holy Spirit living in your life, Jesus said, I'm going to go away, uh, but I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm sending the Spirit, and he will dwell in you. 
Um, I'm telling you, I, I was fortunate enough, Nathan, when I surrendered to preach back in the 70s, there was a movement going on, the deeper life movement, and some people thought, oh, that was too much. Listen, it's not. It's not. The only way that really we can be effective in our ministry is through the power of the, the, the Holy Spirit, and he is the power. That's right. But then baptize, yeah. uh, part of the Great Commission. And we went on that, and we talked about baptism uh, being, yes, the Great Commission is personal, but it's also cooperative uh, in the whole church. And uh, baptism is very important to be identified as a follower of Jesus Christ uh, in, in our circles, the Southern Baptist circles that I that I'm in, and you were raised in, uh, your profession of faith was walking down the aisle and letting people know. Really, the profession of faith is following the Lord. In, That's right. In believers' baptism. That's exactly right. And and the a fourth one we came to was pray. And Jesus taught his disciples to be effective prayers, and that's what we're talking about. Be effectual, the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Now, we're not talking about righteous man, but we're talking about in a man in right standing with God, being saved and having his heart right with God. But he can learn to be effective in his prayer life. And I, I suggested that one of the greatest things you can learn about prayer is look at the prayers in the Bible and and pray those concerning yeah. yourself, your family, and your church. That's right. Okay. So that's that's, that's a, a quick summary of, of last week. Uh, the first command, love God and love people. Kind of under that vertical relationship of loving God, that idea of loving God, it plays out of the next three commands. Repent, believe, and receive the Holy Spirit. And then the, the third command is to baptize. And the fourth command is to pray. Now we come to the fifth one. Okay. It, what is it? So the fifth command, it fits more under the category of loving people. Okay, so it's more of the the next three are the more of the horizontal relational uh, commands, and so the fifth command is to go and make disciples. And so there's really two parts to it. One is to go, and if you take go back to Matthew 28 uh, in verse 19, the the actual Greek word indicates to uh, to mean as you go or as you are going, then you're to make disciples of all the nations. And it's more than casual going. No, yeah, it's, 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 going it's intentional. With, it is intentional going. Uh, you see the, you know, I, I'll use Abraham, for instance, father of faith, okay? Mm-hmm. God called him to leave and to go. Uh, sometimes God wants us to stay, and sometimes staying is vital. Yeah, and staying is actually an act of going. It is. Because— Staying doesn't mean you just sit in your couch all day, on your couch all day. Staying means you go to work, you go to school, you go to the to the marketplace, you go across the street or down your, the street. Whatever yes. your world is. That's exactly right. You're going in your world. So as you are going, you're to make disciples. Okay. Let's let's talk about making disciples. Uh, is that more than converts? It is. <laughs> um, and and unfortunately you can look back and and see, generally, over uh, the last few hundred years in the church, we're, we're a lot better at making converts than we are disciples. I, again, and it wasn't intentional. It was just taking something that was good and not completing the task. Yeah, not, yeah, not yeah. incorrect, just incomplete. Yeah. Uh, Charles Finney, I'm going to go back church history a okay. little bit. Charles Finney, great man of God, just he really turned the northern tier states upside down with his evangelism. And he's the one that we, the, the bench 
the mourner's bench yeah. or the seeker's bench. Right. He was seeker-friendly before it was seeker, you know? <laughs> but it wasn't seeking folks to come to church. It was people seeking to get right with God right. up front. And he, he introduced the idea of an invitation, really. Before that, you just preached and, you know, there was, you know, didn't know people would leave. Preacher, preach, pray, and go home. And he introduced the idea of invitation, but what, which was good. But if you don't follow up from that person coming forth, praying, and if you just leave it there, you're not doing what the Bible mentioned in the Great Commission in making disciples. Right. You're just making converts. Uh, it's more than just birthing babies. You want to nurture babies so right. that they can mature. Same idea here, right? Yeah, it is. I mean, we have substituted that idea of making disciples, and we've done just about everything else. We've made converts. We've made church members. We've made uh, servant leaders. We've made um, you know professional ministers. Uh, you know, we've made whatever. Uh, but many times we haven't made disciples like we've been commanded to. So the whole idea of making disciples is, let's go to it again, going back to the thing about knowledge. We did this last week. I want you to do it again in a synopsis, the Greek and the Hebrew idea of yeah. of, of what it means concerning here. Yeah. And then I want to talk about making disciples a little bit. Yeah. And just personally, you know, I grew up with this wrong idea that Basically, what discipleship is, is coming to some kind of uh, class at the church building and getting some kind of workbook and filling out, filling in the blanks. And if I've done all that and listened well and learned a little bit, then I've, I'm a disciple of Jesus. Um, nothing wrong with doing those things at all. But if that's what we're calling discipleship or making disciples, then that no wonder we're, we're incomplete in that task. Um, See, what it is is that model has the idea of you get to become a disciple by through your knowledge, through learning, um, kind of head knowledge almost, where if you sit under the right teaching and you listen to the right messages and you take just enough notes and you remember just enough information, then, okay, you're going you're gonna to live that out. And, yeah, sometimes that actually does happen. But I would say it's not even intentional. It, it happens actually more by accident or really by God's grace. But that's, and that's a Greek kind of model. And that's, what, that's really the model, that mindset, is what the Western church has kind of uh, utilized. There's a Hebrew model that actually says you actually become a disciple by doing what the master has told you to do, by obeying the commands, by acting it out, living it out in actions. And through that, you eventually come to a deeper knowledge and understanding. And so it kind of, you know, the Greek model is you start with your head and you, and, and you get to your, your hands eventually. Maybe somewhere in there it touches your heart. And the Hebrew model is more of you start with your hands and then it will eventually impact your heart and your, and your head as well. And obviously Jesus was on the Hebrew model, um, but we have not been. And... So what we've done is we've tried to reach disciple-making or discipleship through knowledge when it's actually it's supposed to be done through obedience. You know, I, I think of this, the meaning of the heart uh, in the New Testament is mind, will, and emotions. Yes. We've concentrated on the mind. Yeah, we separated it. Yeah, we separated. You start with the heart of the matter. Listen, yeah. if uh, in, out of the heart, mm-hmm. out of the heart 
comes everything. Yeah. The words you say, they reveal who you are. What you do reveals your heart. And that goes back to that first command of loving God loving and loving God. people. You get that right. So making disciples. So here, when Jesus started his seminary, <laughs> he started it on the road. That's right. Okay. And so, uh, man, nothing like it. Uh, food pantry, uh, clothing pantry, a, do- a storm during a storm, uh, like yeah. When we're taping this, we've just had the floods in South Carolina, and Eight Days of Hope, they've got their ministry that goes right to it, and they're headed over there right now. I guarantee you, uh, Samaritan's Purse, show up, you know, these guys, and they're doing the work, but they're doing it, but also demonstrating the love of God. Uh, so make disciples. Okay. Uh, we again, we're going over the seven commands of Jesus, and it starts with loving God and loving people. We're talking about loving God is repentance, believe, and receiving the Holy Spirit. Baptize, be baptized, and baptize, and pray. But now we've moved to the other side of loving people, and we first go and make disciples. And the sixth one is break bread, mm-hmm. known as? Uh, communion or communion, the Lord's Supper. Communion and the Lord's Supper. Communion, uh, the only problem I have with that title, and I'm, you know, it comes, shows a little bit of my background, Nathan. <laughs> I, you know, I, I commune with God more than just when I participate in the, in the supper, but I better commune with Him when I'm doing it, hadn't I? Yeah, it, and this, again, this, this opens up a whole other area of, <laughs> of what we can talk about, but, um, you know, the Bible was written in a communal uh, society. And we live today in the West in more of an individualistic society. And so we, a lot of times, many times, we misread the Bible through our individualistic lens when it was actually intended to be looked at through a communal, more community-oriented or family-oriented uh, kind of lens. And so think really when we think about the Lord's Supper, we really need to think about a family meal, um, uh, maybe like the maybe the thing that comes closest in our culture is like a Thanksgiving meal. Uh, when you people come from all over, family gets back together, and they sit around the table together. And what are they doing? They're communing. They're they're coming back and living in community with one another. And so it's it's really kind of an honorable thing. And you're you're honoring uh, your host and your by your presence and by your participation. And so that's what the Lord's Supper is. We're honoring Christ, our host, um, by participating and, and by loving one another in, in a right relationship with each other. So when we participate the bread and the wine, uh, and if you're a Baptist, you say cup because you don't want to say right. the wine or too juice, much. Yeah, juice, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, uh, we make fun of our own selves, right? That's, that's what, right. what I can do. But, you know, the bread and the cup or the wine, the bread is my body, mm-hmm. which is broken, broken for you. Not my bones, but my body. A broken body on that cross was just do this in remembrance of me. Okay, then, then the wine, this is my blood, which was shed for a new covenant. It was a bloodletting, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And it's brought about a new covenant uh, Nathan, I, I heard uh, a guy preach and teach on this. He said, revival, honestly, will happen if we were to take of the Lord's Supper in the right manner. Yes. We would constantly 
get our hearts right with God if we participated. We have those that participate every week, those that once a quarter. I, I you know, I, I see the advantage of both. I, I've just found out that familiarity breeds contempt, mm-hmm. and if you do it all the time, it becomes so ritualistic it does not mean. But if you don't do it enough, it's like it's yeah. not important. That's so right. I, I, we're not here trying to tell you when or how, but I, we are here to tell you that when you're following the Lord and you're participating in the Lord's Supper or communion, you do think of the Lord's death. Yeah, I mean, he gave himself for us, Nathan. That it, when, when I come to that realization that he loved me enough, and then when you see this, and you're just talking about the community, see if, I, see if you think of this. When you look at that, I participate in myself, yes, but then I look at my brothers yes. and my sisters who were there and say, this thing's bigger than me. Yeah, we're to serve each other. We're to serve each other. Yep. There's three things that come to mind as you, as you mentioned this, and one— is really comes out of this command and comes out of George Patterson's teaching and training uh, missionaries. And and it's this thought that the Lord's Supper or communion is actually a healing meal. Think about it. How did, how did, how, what does the Bible say that how we are healed? By his stripes. We are healed. By his flesh being broken, by his blood being spilled. And that's to deal with stripes. That's how Those two things. Yeah, that's yeah. how that's how we are that's how we are healed. Uh, not just yeah. There's physical healing, yes, but for more sure. important. And there's spiritual healing. There's healing of relationships with one another. So, the Lord's Supper is a healing meal, and this is an interesting thing. I've got friends that are missionaries in different parts of the world, and as they're teaching these seven commands, and they get to this command of the Lord's Supper, and they, it's an incredible experience to be able to participate in the Lord's Supper with a new believer who's never, they, they're just understanding this concept. and But what they're seeing actually is, is, is actually people actually being healed of diseases, of um, different kinds of uh, infirmities, whatever it might be. They're actually seeing real healing take place as they're taking this Lord's Supper. <laughs> um, and so George Patterson would, would teach that the Lord's Supper is a healing meal. Amen. Uh Here's another thought. This is going to kind of change direction, and we don't want to go too far with this, but thinking about missionaries in other parts of the world, are the elements, the specific elements of the the vine, the fruit of the vine, the grapes, like grape juice or wine, and some sort of unleavened bread, is that the essential thing? There are some places in the world you cannot get bread, or you cannot get unleavened bread, or you cannot get wine. They don't just they don't have them in their economy in their in their location. What do you do with a situation like that? Do you import that, export that out to to those missionaries, <laughs> um, or do they just have to do like actually Jesus did, take elements that were already a part of the Passover meal and just utilize that? And so we're seeing missionaries do that sort of thing. Instead of bread, they might actually have rice, you know, rice cakes or something like that. Can you imagine the water, but the yeah. living water of God's word? Yeah. That's awesome. So George Patterson thought it. See, I remember years ago, uh, and and when you were a son, when you were young, you're always my son. But when you were at home, and kind of the new movement came out with a little music using all the all the instruments and not just a piano and an right, organ. Right. Okay. What got me was okay. If I'm going to go to the Caribbean 
and we're going to have worship. Do we have to ship a piano and organ down there to do it right? No, I, I think they would probably have a tambourine down there, and you yeah. know. And God really saturated my life to see how Americanized I had made. You know, uh, that was one of my first steps into the freedom of missional yeah. work. And and this that's another one that's yeah. good. So Nathan. even the I elements, you that. yeah, the elements need to be uh, indigenous to the to that community. Wow, yeah. that is that is powerful. Okay, th- we've gone over six. Let's go to the seventh one. And okay, this may be like the guy who uh, I, I'm going to hint what this is. The preacher was preaching, and and the guy back there said, "Preach it, brother, preach it." He said, "We need to go preach it, brother, preach <laughs> it. Uh, we we need to pray, pray, brother, pray." And then finally, the preacher said, "We need to give." And and the guy said, "Let's go back to praying, brother. Let's go back to praying." <laughs> so so the seventh the seventh one is give. How? Yeah, give generously. Generously. That's right. Does God teach any other kind of giving? No, He does not. There's not another kind. There is a, we we make it into another kind, but God doesn't teach it. Yeah, but we we won't experience that joy that giving generously brings. Yeah. Um. So. Yeah, the seventh command is to give generously, and to be honest, on the mission field, when when churches are being started, and you've got these new believers, maybe because this is the seventh command, or maybe because this is the most difficult one for any individual to actually um, make a part of their life. Um. I mean, you you find where someone's heart is by looking at their pocketbook, you know, at their, at their wallet con- or their bank there's account. There's a connection, isn't there? There is. And so uh, I think Jesus, I know Jesus knew this, and that's why he talked about get, giving and money more than just about any other topic. Bill Bright says, not how much you give, give it's how much you keep. That really tells yeah. more about you than anything. That's right. And, and so, I mean, I have work to do in this area for sure. Hey, I joined the crowd. Yeah. And so... Um, but many times these new churches, these new these new believers, um, get to maybe six out of the seven commands doing well, and this this giving generously can cause some you know some stumbling there. But H- hilarious giver, yeah. I mean, I hadn't gotten over that yet. They just there's a joy, and it's really joy in their heart in giving. Uh, is there a reason this is the seventh one? I, I think so, because you start looking at all that God has done for you, and then you want to do this for others. And then when you give of your pocketbook, you're giving of your labor, you're giving of your substance. I mean, giving generously is a big deal, isn't it? It is. And maybe this is also the seventh one, because really, if you're thinking about the process of discipling a new believer, you take them through these seven commands, and they start obeying them. And then... They're they're becoming mature in Christ, and the next step for them is to start becoming start leading others through these seven commands. Start leading others to Christ and, and into maturity, and so maybe the last step before leadership is is this idea of giving generously. Here's here's why I say that. You take leadership and you boil it down. Leadership is really stewardship. It's a stewardship of yourself, your your life, your time. Uh, your resources, it's a stewardship of other people, uh, leading them. And then when you boil stewardship down, it's really discipleship. It's about following Jesus and his commands. So, yeah, this giving generously, if you find someone that's doing this well, they're on their way to becoming a solid leader. Okay. Seven commands of Jesus. We've taught this over two two weeks, and uh, it's talking about loving God, loving people, repent, receive, and receive the Holy Spirit, Baptize, pray, go and make disciples, 
share and commune with the Lord in the Lord's Supper and give generously. Nathan, thank you for giving those. And we owe this to George Patterson, who dug into the word on the mission field and now sharing this with the world. We hope you are sharing Christ with those around you and that you'd be faithful in your witness for him. Again, thank you for being with us on Exploring Missions.